Are you in a rut? Stressed by the demands of your personal, professional, and social lives? Join lifestyle guru Pauline Brown right now for Tastemakers. That's really where people can really make the celebrated individual the centerpiece. She invites her friends to share tips of the trade and new ideas for bringing out the best in you. My real passion is style, and not just style, but design, beauty, all things aesthetic. Turn the mundane into the memorable with Pauline Brown on Tastemakers. Welcome back to Tastemakers. I'm Pauline Brown. Today we're going to talk about a topic that should be of interest and relevance to all of you, at least uh, all of you who have skin, and that is the art and science of skincare. So for this topic, I've invited three uh, very dear friends, each an expert in various aspects of beauty and skincare, to come on the show, to come into the studio, and to share their tips of the trade. So let me introduce each of them to you. First, I have Karina Friedman who is, uh, by all accounts, a master aesthetician, which uh, if you're not familiar with that term, aesthetician, it is a fancy term for facialist. Um, in addition to being a, a superb practitioner here in New York, she has her own skincare salons. Uh, they're based in New York and Long Island, where she and I both live. And um, you'll learn more about her approach. Let me uh, just suffice it to say that she takes a very um, traditional French approach to facials and skincare, and um, and she's darn good. Uh, welcome to the show, Karina. Thank you. Thank you, Pauline. I'm so happy to be here and uh, honored. Thank you. And um, in case you didn't already guess, yes, she is from Russia. But she lives in Long Island, so you're going to hear a little bit of that as, as well. Um, I also have Dr. Shirley Madere, who is a plastic surgeon. Uh, she has an office based in uh, downtown New York in Soho, right? Yes. Um, original approach, she, um, relative to other doctors I've come across, is, 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 takes a holistic one. Yes. Um, and so by that, I mean, um, she doesn't just do traditional clinical treatments, but she combines them with wellness and with what she terms age management. Um, she's a big believer that beauty comes from within and that external appearances are also a reflection of internal activities and health. Yes. So we're going to learn more about her approach and about what that means for in, uh, specifically for skin care. Thank you for having me. Well, welcome. Great to have you here. Thank you. Uh, and lastly, a uh, return guest, uh, someone who's been on this show twice before, uh, Alana Drell-Zeifer. Uh, Alana is um, a longtime global beauty industry expert. She and I, um, a few lives ago, worked <laughs> together at the Estee Lauder companies. Uh, she currently is the CEO of a luxury skincare brand called Revive. Uh, but she earlier uh, in her in her career, in addition to working at Estee Lauder, also was at L'Oreal, at Avon, at Chanel, and a number of other um, uh, skincare and beauty companies. She sits on the board of a beauty retailer called Cosbar, which is uh, like a higher-end Sephora. She also is on the board of uh, two other skincare brands, one called Works Skincare and the other Al Alginist. So uh, I could go on and on about her um, her illustrious career in the industry, but we're here really to talk about techniques and about uh, learnings and insights and things that you at home can apply. So welcome back, Alana. Thank, thank you for having me, Pauline. So happy to be here. So um, we'll, we'll start. I'm just going to start, Karina, with you, since I introduced you first. You uh, have a few salons of your own. Yes, uh, I have one in Manhattan, uh -huh. which is uh, thriving for the last six years. And we have a brand new baby. We gave birth in September. 
which is on Long Island, mm-hmm. and it's doing fantastically. Yeah. And you sell mostly French lines. Yes. I, I'm a big believer in like natural European approach, mm-hmm. which is less is more. Mm-hmm. They have very found um, principles in beauty. So I stumbled across a company called Biologique Recherche, mm. which we have a contest of how to pronounce it. With my <laughs> Russian accent is Biologique Recherche. I'm probably going to be fired from Paris. I'll never appear. But what I like about this brand and why I carry it and all my treatments are done with this brand is the approach to skin. Mm-hmm. They are believing in building skin stronger, thicker, while in the last few years in U.S., people had a tendency to strip the skin, you know, this overexfoliation, lasers, chemical pills. So I didn't find a lot of success trying different lines on the market in U.S., Mm And when I um, discovered Biologique Recherche with their holistic uh, products, with the old cold press and derived from highest, highest uh, materials, I just came to realization. So the results were amazing. Mm-hmm. And that's what we do. We just uh, worship this line. I'm, uh, I'm very happy with the results and our clients and loyal uh, customers are very happy. So using the right product is critical, and we're going to talk more about Mm -hmm. that. But also the treatments um, Mm -hmm. are a part of it. So I find um, I go to one of your estheticians Mm -hmm. um, and uh, go, say, on a monthly basis, and then I use the products that she recommends. But if I just use them for the rest of the year and I didn't ever go back, I don't think it would be sufficient. And why, why do you think here in America, and you can take issue with what I'm saying, but why in America are women much less prone to go for professional treatment than they are, say, in Eastern Europe where you come from? I think in America, people like instant results. We generally know that Americans are in this respect a little bit lazy. So immediate gratification is uh, what people are seeking for. And with the skin, unfortunately, it doesn't work this way. So I see a lot of uh, American um, women, they jump from skincare to skincare. They're always in pursuit of newer, better, without even checking if it does work. Mm -hmm. Not always new remedy is better than old proven one. So in Europe, women for generations, it goes from grandma to mother to daughter. They come once a month to either deep cleansing or any kind of treatment, whatever your concern, if it's aging, if it's pigmentation, if it's a purity of your skin. So it's a part of a culture. And then once you find something that works, we tend to be loyal. Mm -hmm. In US, People follow trends. I have a lot of, um, uh, often times I get approached by writers, beauty writers, beauty editors. They call me and say, Karina, I would love to feature you. What's new? I, sometimes I do have something new, like uh, when we introduce microneedling, dermaplaning, or we doing keratin brow lift, but it's not so often. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I tell them, listen, you come to me every month for old. You're not coming for this new. So mm-hmm. why don't we just give the old kind of new facelift mm-hmm. and talk about this microcurrent lift again, maybe through different... Oh, I can't write about it. Mm-hmm. We need something 
like, mm. you know, groundbreaking mm. from 2019. Mm. And 2019, besides CBD, I don't know what it's going to be <laughs> right. giving us, right? If, if I may also add, Karina, I would agree with you. And I think there is perhaps a cultural um, issue. Uh, perhaps there are women in America who weren't brought up with the idea that you have to take care of your skin. Mm -hmm. I know I was taught to moisturize my skin the minute I got out of a shower and that I could shower myself. So that was integral to my sense of well-being and to how my family thought that one can be well, one of the ways. And I think also perhaps the other issue it may be related to media and um, sometimes at least in my profession as a plastic surgeon beauty can be polarizing. Mm -hmm. And I tend to believe that Everyone is beautiful. It's just how he or she chooses to express or manifest that beauty. Absolutely. However, when we're bombarded with what beauty should look like from magazines and celebrities, et cetera, et cetera, I think some people perhaps turn away from that and mm -hmm. revolt and rebel and mm -hmm. think, well, I, you know, I don't need makeup or I don't need, you know, nice skin or healthy skin to be beautiful. I just, I want nothing to do with that. Mm -hmm. And I've encountered that a lot as a plastic surgeon. You can imagine once I let people know that I'm a plastic surgeon, sometimes I get two different responses. Oh, that's interesting. And I sometimes get, oh God, that's so superficial. So uh, Dr. Shirley, I want to actually ask you about how you got into this more holistic approach. It's ah. very unusual for doctors yeah. to think outside of the you know the, the the technical realm that they were trained in and it's not really in your best economic interest to think that That's way either true. <laughs> right um, and I know from our prior conversations that you actually will turn people away yes. who want things that you know are not right even though it could be very lucrative for you yes so so what was the breakthrough and 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 how do you continue to have a a thriving business vis-a-vis -vis the competition and the and the other mindset that prevails. Yes, it, it has been an interesting journey, and for sure, some of my colleagues think I'm a total freak. But I'm sticking, you know, I'm sticking to it because it's what I fundamentally believe in. And for me, this the transformation or the shift, the pivot, if you will, um, came from a very personal experience. I was very traditionally trained, um, general surgery, college, medical school, five years of general surgery, heart surgery, trauma surgery, nasal, all sorts of surgery that I was trained in, and then another traditional plastic surgery um, residency training, and then on top of that, an additional year of cosmetic plastic surgery training. Mm -hmm. So I just felt that it was important for me as a woman who would very likely wind up treating mostly women, that it was my responsibility to learn as much as I possibly can to be the best that I could possibly be. So I was working in that very traditional paradigm, and everything was going well. I didn't have any crises, thank goodness, but I had a personal health issue. And one morning I was on my way to um, to work, and I stopped in for a Starbucks. And um, I normally have a chai latte with whole milk, but I was trying to be healthy, and I thought I would reduce that to 2% milk. But the Starbucks didn't have 2% milk, and they said, I'm sorry, we only have whole milk. So I took the whole milk. Within 20 minutes, I was having digestive issues to the point where I was found, finding it difficult to work. And so I went on my own journey asking myself my questions. Wow, I'm not feeling well. I'm obviously perhaps mm -hmm. not looking well. This must not just affect me. It must also affect my patients. And how I feel and how I look must definitely be related. Mm -hmm. And so I went on a personal professional journey and I continued to learn as much as I can about natural medicine, homeopathic medicine, organic uh, skin care, and incorporated that into my practice. Right. And well, that's how it happened. For our listeners oh. who don't have the 
benefit of seeing you. You you are gorgeous. Oh, thank you so much. So, I've had uh, some help <laughs> from makeup artists. Oh no, you. yeah, no plastic surgeon. Um, <laughs> no, not but, yet. But 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 let me just say because I do want to come back on the show as to what you, you each of your because I've got three gorgeous women here in the studio. But what thank your you. routines are and how you apply what you know as practitioners and as experts to your own routine. I just uh, want to reintroduce Alana, who uh, is a former colleague of mine, a longtime friend, um, and really one of the the most preeminent marketers in the world of global beauty. You, you've worked for the last many years for very premium brands, but you and I also share something in common. We weren't there at the same time, but we also were at Avon, which is one of the most uh, mass-marketed brands. Uh, average Avon skincare product is probably, uh, so what, less than 20% the cost of an average Revive or, or Lauder or Chanel. Do you you get better quality. What's what's your feeling now? Working on both sides of the of, of the aisle, um, it, 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 do you actually get a a better result when it comes to skincare and the effect of using very high end products versus entry level price points? You know, I think it depends on the product. I mean, one of the things that I can say about Avon um, and their products at the time, and it was a it was a long time ago, was. Um, that they had an incredible R&D facility and although the and what they were trying to do at the time was really bring cutting edge technology to the masses, if you will, um, in incredible formulas that replicated the performance of high-end formulas. And so I remember, you know, 20 years ago we were doing retinol and retinol hand creams and things like that. I think there, there are two things that I think are important in formulations. One is the percentage of ingredients that you use, their quality and, and how much of them you use. And something Karina mentioned, which is um, the formulas that, they, that those uh, technological ingredients are encapsulated in, whether or not they are stripping or comforting to the skin. Mm-hmm. Because I think to Karina's point, Often, and it is an American tendency more than it is a European and certainly an Asian tendency, the idea of not hurting yourself but stripping Mm -hmm. or making the skin feel tingling or dry or tight is something that's an uh, an American kind of request or sensation that lets lets the customer know that it's working. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that when you don't do, when you deliver um, efficacious ing- ingredients, but you don't do that, that's better. Mm-hmm. And so I do think that there are mass brands that do deliver very good um, ingredients. Sometimes there is a compromise on the delivery, the the texture or the formula. Mm-hmm. But I, I won't say that's the case across the board. I think what a lot of luxury brands try to do now, and I think it's a requirement of the of the luxury customers, add to the experience of the product with service. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how they justify the price point. So talk to me about Revive. It's a small brand, but it's been around for many decades. What makes it special, and um, what should people know about it that's differentiated? There are so many products at every price point, and I think to people outside the industry, it's quite confusing. For sure. You know, it's funny because I think Revive is a marriage of what Dr. Shirley does and knows and what Karina does and knows, and I'll explain And why. this is a coincidence, because yeah, you guys totally. just met. Exactly. Yes. yes. So 
Revive was started by a plastic and reconstructive surgeon. His name is Dr. Gregory Bays Brown. And women would come to him and say, listen, what I really want is my skin to glow. And he would say, well, I there's nothing that surgery can do for you yes. that's going to make your skin look healthy and glow. And therefore, he realized that skin care goes where surgery can't. And that's something he said for years. And so he utilized um, two, two things. Uh, one is he took an approach to the face that, unlike um, a lot of dermatologists, only a plastic and reconstructive surgeon would take, which he understood that aging happens in a three-dimensional way, not just surface or lines and wrinkles, but their, the, the volume of the face and the loss of volume over time um, kind of accelerates how old a, a person is perceived to look. Hmm. So that's one. So he kind of a, approached things from a 3D perspective. And to build on something Karina said, understood that it was through strengthening of the skin, really um, promoting healthy skin cell turnover, that you got that glow back that you have when your skin turns over at a normal rate in your 20s as opposed to when it slows down later on. And so that was really his approach. Um, and so he took that and married it with service and put it in a luxury environment. And so I, I think what differentiates Revie from other brands is it takes a, a, a holistic, if you will, 3D approach to skin with a lot of science behind it in a luxury environment where the, the client is also accustomed to service. And a very big part of what we do our facials actually in a department store environment as part of what we offer to the customer along with skincare. Okay, great. Well, um, when we're back, we have to take a quick break, but when we're back, I actually want to get into some of the both treatments and product types that work, <laughs> which ones are out in the market commonly used maybe that don't work or that you would steer our listeners away from. And I'll also be uh, curious to hear each of your routines because you are the experts and you are beautiful women. So uh, stay with us. You're listening to Tastemakers on Sirius XM Stars. We'll be right back. We now return to Tastemakers with Pauline Brown on Sirius XM Stars. Welcome back to Tastemakers. I'm Pauline Brown. I'm here today with three friends and experts and tastemakers in their own right. Uh, Karina Friedman, who's a facialist here in New York. Shirley Madere, who's a plastic surgeon and a, a wellness coach as well. I'm going to call her that. <laughs> and Alana Drell-Zeifer, who is a, a skincare and beauty marketer who's been with a host of companies currently with uh, the prestige brand Revive. So let me just pick up on this topic of skincare and beauty, right? Because there's really two elements when we think about skincare. And one is the health, right? There's healthy skin, uh, and then there's clear skin or skin that maybe photographs well, but may or may not be healthy. When you think about beauty, and, and all of you are really looking at it um, more profoundly than how someone appears in a picture, what is beautiful to you with regards to skincare? What, so we, we've talked a little bit about uh, kind of this idea that Alana mentioned earlier in the show of, of sort of replenishment of the cells and the kind of um, uh, gl glowiness. I guess the implication is that it's a glowing skin. But what else do you all look for or strive for to be beautiful through your skin? So I might start since I see clients every day and everybody ultimately want the same kind of complexion. Small pores, a glow. Glow comes from hydration, from the 
thickness of the epidermis, which is a norm not too thin, not too thick, because when it's too thick, uh, women tend to think that it's maybe I look either fat or oily. Mm-hmm. So everybody wants to get this glow without appearing greasy or oily. Mm-hmm. So as we mature, we tend to lose the hydration naturally and we our skin becomes dry. So it's a constant pursuit of the smaller pores, brighter complexion, hydrated and this eternal glow. Because when we're young, as Alana mentioned, in our 20s, we glow in naturally because we have a te- our skin t- has tendency to be a little oilier mm-hmm. and we hate it and we put powder and concealers. <laughs> <laughs> and as we age, me and Pauline, we get the drops of uh, oils and serums that contain oils and we want to recreate this healthy glow that we had in the 20 and we're losing it. Mm-hmm. That's, in my opinion, um, is a healthy skin. Glowy, small pores, any color, it can be a little mm-hmm. bit pigmented, freckles are okay. It comes, you know, from the confidence. If mm-hmm. you're confident and you have freckles or little broken capillaries, but you glowing inside and out, mm-hmm. right, Dr. Shirley? Agreed, if 100%. you eat well and you're healthy, your skin will show. Yeah. So yeah. let me ask you, Dr. Shirley, so yes. you're a woman of color. Yes, And I am. Um, you see, I'm sure, all ethnicities in your practice. I do. Would you say that the standards for good skin are the same across, say, Asian versus black woman versus uh, Caucasian? Yes, I do. I would say that that standard is fairly consistent, regardless of your skin tone or your skin color or your culture. I think from my patients, what they tend to ask for and look for in terms of healthy skin is, yes, the glow, the radiance, the smaller pores. And from my uh, subset of patients who are women of color, um, less Dispigmentation, less discoloration, mm-hmm. less uh, random um, colors that don't match their skin tone. Mm-hmm. Uh, wrinkles are okay. A few wrinkles are okay. If some freckles are okay. I think that more and more women are beginning to own mm-hmm. their beauty and mm-hmm. define their beauty on their own. But in general, across the board, I would agree with my colleagues here that healthier skin in terms of glowing and radiance um, responds better to the needle and the knife and helps mm-hmm. to impart and imbue confidence for sure. And on the topic of needle and knife, um, (laughs) because, you know, no matter what we say about natural beauty, every year Botox seems to outgrow the rest of the market. Botox is natural. That is it true. Comes from bacteria. A bottle of what is it? A, a botulism. Um, th- this is this is a natural bacteria. That's right. Uh, that happens to be deadly, but <laughs> in high doses. In high doses, in, in the wrong place. But right. what uh, what would you say uh, to women who, uh, which is now uh, a, a large portion, who are uh, getting Botox? Call it twice a year, three times a year. Mm-hmm. What's the difference between doing it right and doing it wrong? Which I think I I see a lot of in the streets of New York. Well, it's interesting because um, I do a lot of, I perform a lot of injectables and um, I, I have to be careful mm-hmm. because I have to be careful as to not impart my sense of beauty and what I have a personal aesthetic for on others. Mm-hmm. I do have patients who walk in and in my opinion, I think they've already done enough, but perhaps that's a judgment. Mm-hmm. So I tend to have an extensive conversation before I do anything and just find out where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, another quick story is that I once saw a patient in her 70s and she came to me not for Botox, although I would have been happy to do that for her, but uh, she was 73 or 75 and she wanted a breast augmentation. And immediately I thought, 
why? And then mm-hmm. I caught myself because that's a judgment. Mm-hmm. And so when she explained to me her reasons, it was so beautiful. It was such a beautiful story. Mm-hmm. And she said she just wanted to go out with a bang and live out the rest of her, you know, days, however long that will be, you know, freely, carefreely and having fun. Mm-hmm. And I respected that. Mm-hmm. So that taught me that when patients do come in and perhaps my aesthetics do not agree with theirs, I just have to be careful and have a yeah. conversation and clarify and help them to achieve their beauty goals. You know, and I, I respect that. Um, and, but just to play devil's advocate, yes. I was watching something the other day that had a scene from um, at his sort of pinnacle, Michael Jackson. Uh, you know, I, I saw the nose, and which supposedly by the end of his life, you know, was a non-nose. It was sort of constructed, you know, when he went out. Yes. And I thought just how unconscionable for a doctor, and in this case there were probably multiple doctors, to take on that even though I'm sure to him he was still striving for beauty. So like at what point do you feel like I just, I can't do it even if I know it'll make that person happy? You know, it's interesting because there are days when I'm exhausted by the end of the day and I love what I do and I do what I do with a passion, but there are days when you interact with patients and it becomes psychologically extracting Mm -hmm. um, and very heavy. Mm -hmm. And I understand that sometimes people express themselves um, in the pursuit of beauty and sometimes insecurities can come out that way. And I try not to judge again, but at the same time, I feel it is my responsibility to try to help that person as best as I can. Mm -hmm. And plastic surgery is deep. I think all of beauty Mm -hmm. is deeply psychological. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I I think that people sometimes express or manifest their insecurities or their judgments about themselves or others um, through beauty. Mm -hmm. And it isn't something necessarily that the needle or the knife or skincare cream can help. But I think it's important for all of us to understand that we have an opportunity to be of assistance and to be of service and not just to create healthy, beautiful, glowing skin. Skin, but to get deeper, mm-hmm. to get deeper than the skin and to really try to help our fellow human beings and, and fellow women for sure, especially now, to just rise above that, ironically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How rewarding is that? Yeah. It's, my treatments are 90 minutes, so I completely relate to Dr. Shirley. It's psychological and uh, the beauty, you try it like I'm a girl's girl. So when the client come to me, I see a beauty. I'm confident woman, so I want to give this confidence yes. to somebody who is seeking to look more beautiful. And being Russian, it gives me a little bit of a, uh, you know, political being politically incorrect, which is okay. That's why I think people coming back. I turn <laughs> people away. Yes. Yeah, you I, have to I, sometimes. But you know what? I if somebody walks into me and tells me. Besides the skincare and eyelashes that we provide, Karina, do you think I should go do the, uh, you know, jaw lift, facelift? I will be very honest, Mm -hmm. very honest, and I will pursue them. Mm -hmm. I will be borderline rude. I'll (laughs) say, absolutely not. If you do it, you don't come back here because you represent me. People are going to think I make you, you know, maybe I did something with my (laughs) microcurrents. So so I, 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 and I give it to, you know, I really do. Yeah. And if the person, the worst is when you see a person and they need. Yeah. And she's like, do you think I need Botox? I'm like, girl, you need the knife. You way be like you were past that. Yes, yeah. the Botox was maybe ten years yeah. ago, yeah. and to put it in a nice with for me it's very hard to put it in a nice way. How old are you? Okay, I'm sixty-four. Have you done Botox? Not really, but do you think I need it? So how do you tell? She's beautiful. 
she looks like Grace Kelly, but leathered. She <laughs> has a house in Aquina or somewhere. Yeah, you. But the Botox is gonna be probably smoothing the lines, but to take this leather thin skin, <laughs> really, it's better to go under the life. And yeah. they will tell me, oh, I will never do it. I'm like, wow, it's an you option. Asked. But little by little, you yeah. give them kind of. And I don't perform these surgeries. I will send them to Doctor Shirley. Thank you. Uh-huh. And uh, we may have the same conversation. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what? Yeah. God bless the Russians. They do speak their mind. Uh, Alana, you were going to yeah, jump in. You know, it's interesting because one of the things we still do with Dr. Brown is we take him into store um, or sometimes we do events with him actually out of store mm-hmm. um, and people come back to see him every year and he has, you know, we call it couch selling or consultations, mm-hmm. if, if you will. But the conversations are 10% skincare and 90% other things. Hmm. And I think, you know, one of the things that I realized is that um, building on this idea of it's it's an emotional connection, Mm -hmm. that's one of the things we are trying to educate people who sell Revive about is that it's about the long-term relationship with the customer. And it's more than just the advice that you give and the product that you sell, but people really want connection. Mm -hmm. That's why they come back. And I'm sure that it happens in a facial room. And I know that it happens, you know, with the doctor, because I see it with Dr. Brown who doesn't practice anymore. I even Mm. attend events just to talk to people because that's what they want. They actually just want to have a conversation. And I I feel like that's what worked in Department Star Cosmetics in the 70s and 80s and has completely gone away. I don't know anybody who goes up to a counter in a Nordstrom or Macy's with in mind that they're going to get a human connection or good advice. Um, You know, now there's many more sources of advice today with the Internet and with, um, you know, the the kind of uh, professional proliferation that we have here in this room even. But still, I think that the commercial... Uh, push and the salesmanship of it has really diluted what could have been a longer-term play. So, so question for you, Alana. Um, you've been in this industry now for going on three decades. Wow. Um, and it has awesome. changed a lot, right? So when we were both at Estee Lauder back in you know the 90s, it was still, at least Prestige Cosmetics was still largely department store here in the U.S. Now you have Sephora, which was barely there back in the day. Um, obviously, you have you have online, and Amazon's taken a big share of that. But what what are some of the shifts that you've seen also in in terms of standards of beauty, and uh, what works in terms of the marketplace, what doesn't, um, you know, and, and brand power? What are some of the big the big changes? Well, certainly, obviously, you know, uh, e-commerce um, is one, um, and the second I would say is, of course, social media. Yeah. Um, but not, I think, in the, you know, obviously there there have, I, I think cosmetics is, is in a different stage now with social media. I think in the past 10 years, it was very focused on color cosmetics and, um, you know, celebrity looks and influencer looks. Mm-hmm. Today, I think people who use social media well use it differently, you know. It's really, be, it's gone back to something that I think was what Estee Lauder was about and was what Avon was about, which was really about hearing from somebody, didn't ha- doesn't have to be a famous person, that you trust. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there are a lot of those people out there, micro-influencers, we call them. Um, and, you know, 
I know that for us, what we try and do is essentially just create affinity groups. Mm -hmm. We send product to people who we think are good brand representatives or stewards, whether they be makeup artists who work with celebrities who know you need to prep the skin if it's going to look good on the runway, whether it be, you know, um, female entrepreneurs, Sunday's Mother's Day, we're doing a Mother's Day mailing just to women we think are great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that trying because people have lost the desire or the ability perhaps to have a connection with somebody in a department store it's now our job to get product to them Mm -hmm. however it is that they digest brands whether Mm -hmm. it's social media e-commerce literally just cold sending someone product in a note and and i so i think what's changed is how you get to customers One of the things that that was a bit of an obsession by the industry uh, when I was in beauty uh, and and, when we overlapped was this idea of anti-aging. And even today, nobody ever says, you know, if they're a 55-year-old woman, I really want to look 10 years older. Like, nobody says that. But the the shamelessness, which was we talked about youth, youth serum, like, I feel like the verbiage has changed a lot. And so... I, I love your, you know, for, for each of the three of you, your commentary on this idea of, of anti-aging um, and maybe how you think about it, um, but but also this idea that, you know, older women are looking better and better. And, um, you know, Tyra Banks, is she 45? I think she's on the cover of yeah. Sports Illustrated. Um, and she's not stick thin, thin anymore. Um, and she's not 22 but you know and she and she she's owning it so I sort of feel that the standards of of what we can embrace as as the beauty in ourselves and in others is changing quite a bit Uh, comments I'd have to say that anti-aging is a misnomer because it doesn't exist you cannot reverse time no matter Mm -hmm. how many you know, needle and knife procedures you undergo. Um, And I do believe that women these days, whether in their 20s, their 30s, or their 70s, are reclaiming, right, reclaiming themselves and and their own definitions of beauty. And I think now the prerogative is not to anti-age or necessarily look younger, but to look great and fabulous for your given age. Mm -hmm. So that's Mm -hmm. what I tend to focus on with my patients. I agree, Dr. Shirley. It's, um, um, we actually were prohibited by Dr. Philippe Alouche, who is the head of the brand, the Biologique Recherche, to use anti-aging in our Instagram campaigns, Mm. uh, at our promotions. So yes, it's a kind of a bad term for some reason, but I agree, like we all want to look beautiful, but our age, Mm -hmm. aren't Mm -hmm. they maybe borderline ageless look for instance Christy Brinkley Mm -hmm. I don't know how old is Christy Brinkley (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't know what she is doing (laughs) she has not aged in about 30 years so at this point when I look at Christy Brinkley I think it's like one step from kind of too ageless right because she looks beautiful and was looking amazing for past 10 years but now like you want to see a little line yeah. You want to see like a graceful, um, just aging, but tastefully. Yes. So I would like to watch her. How is she going to step into this good uh, right. 60s uh, and looking gorgeous? Right. It's it's an interesting concept because, you know, on the one hand, I love this idea of ageless beauty. Mm-hmm. 
On the other hand, um, when I'm with someone and they guess my age pretty accurately, I'm insulted. <laughs> That's true. That's I don't want to be mistaken for, you know, a 28-year-old, but not 52. <laughs> That's but a big number. You know what I noticed? I have a lot of um, clients flying from L.A. for facials and lashes, mm-hmm. and people in L.A. do much more than in New York. Mm. Yes, they do. And I quite honestly don't understand, and that's what makes them look older. Mm. So a woman mm. walks into my clinic, and she lays down, and she's, her lips are done, her cheeks are done, her eyebrows are raised, everything is done. So I'm 49, so I'm thinking she's probably my age, but looks amazing. Um, and then I look at her profile, and she's 32. Oh, And I'm like, oh my God, she's 20 years younger than me. But because of that much work, totally unnecessary, it looks like she's trying to cover up her age by all this procedure. So uh, you assume that she's 50, but looks amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly. Good point. Yeah, less is more. So another question for you, this is a product question. Um, Given that most people in the world don't have unlimited means, but you know, I think you're all making a very good case for buying quality products. If somebody were going to just include three items in their daily routine, what would you have them buy? Uh, Alana? Uh, Moisturizer with an SPF, eye cream, and a good cleanser. Uh Uh-huh. And why, I mean, my whole life I've been religious about using eye cream, but why do people need a separate cream for the eye than for the cheeks? The skin around the eye is thinner. Um, so I think it needs more hydration than mm-hmm. um, the skin on the face. I don't like to use SPF around my eyes because I do find sometimes when it gets into your eye, it can burn a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and the best, you know, the best thing you can do for your skin is just stay out of the sun. That's why I always mm-hmm. say moisturizer with SPF eye cream. Okay. Uh, would you add anything? I would. I would say I would add to Lana. Um, the skin around the eyes need a smaller molecular weight of a product to be able to reach the same depth. So eyes and lips is a separate cream because we use cream with the larger molecules all over our face on the cheeks. Mm-hmm. So eyes separate. I would have, if I have to use only three products mm-hmm. for myself and my clients. It will be milky cleanser, not foaming, not scrubbing, nothing that strips the skin of its essential sebum, which is oil that protects us. Mm -hmm. So always milky cleanser. Then you need an exfoliant, which is any kind of certain combination of acids. Mm -hmm. So this is what where people started to use retinol. We use combination of alpha and beta hydroxy acids. And now they have another acid coming in the market this year. So this is absolutely necessary. Even if you are, you have rosacea, if you have sensitive skin, just milder version of exfoliation. So you don't have to use a scrub or sponge or anything to ruin your precious sebum layer. And then if it's only one product left and you cannot squeeze a serum and an eye cream, so you just need a moisturizer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I am very, very conservative with SPF. I tell you why. I recently, I think two days ago, all over the news was, well, we actually don't have a research about chemicals that are used in SPFs, common SPFs. And I always believe that um, skin is an organ that absorbs everything and it goes into your bloodstream. In America, we don't have a lot of regulations. 
So if you're in and out of your car, if you're in and out of the studio, like Pauline here, she doesn't need XPF every day. She needs vitamin D. She doesn't need SPF unless she goes into direct sun for extended hours between 12 o'clock till 3 o'clock. Mm-hmm. If it's a morning or in and out, I rather have her having freckles, mm-hmm. a little pigmentation, than discover later that the chemicals that we used in 2019 were actually causing cancer. Hmm. Good point. Or you use a uh, physical defense, mm-hmm. titanium and zinc. Da- zinc Right, and and look like a lifeguard, you know, with the white strips, whatever. Exactly. But, <laughs> what what at least it's safe. <laughs> I but think my yes. yeah, well, Go ahead. Go ahead. I think my three pro- products, I agree, would be a moisturizer, and mine would not include um, SPF. But that that is a very controversial thing between mm-hmm. you know the toxicity from the ingredients and the you know incidence of skin cancer. So we have to be careful about that. So my products would be for sure a moisturizer, and then a serum with vitamin C and hyaluronic acid. Mm-hmm. I love vitamin C as a collagen stimulator and um, lightening pigment and then hyaluronic acid for um, moisturization. And then my last one would be an essential oil. I mm-hmm. am a, an oil lover. I love mm-hmm. oil. I had oily skin as a teenager. I don't have it now, and I miss it. And you so, put an o- essential oil on top of moisturizer? Or I mix it in with my moisturizer, two to three drops. Wow. Or I use it alone. Okay. No moisturizer, just oil. Interesting. Because yeah. I've actually cool. been told in the past, if you had to decide between a serum and a moisturizer, that the serum is a better way to go because it absorbs, it's more absorbent. Yes, typically, yes. Yeah, but if you limit it only to three products. <laughs> I know, I mean, yeah, we're right. product serum women, you know, we're right. we have cabinets full. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right. Serum is must, but okay. it's uh, with a moisturizer. You can't live with less than four. Yes. Okay, so <laughs> switching, switching topics, um, internal. So what are the things that we can do in the form of um, eat or drink or lifestyle that will have a profound effect, positive effect on our skin. Uh, Dr. Shirley, let's start Wow, with I've you. got a list, but I will <laughs> I will uh, reduce it to just a couple. I think number one, water. Mm-hmm. Drink lots and lots of water and pure water, 1.5 to 2 liters a day. Hmm. So that's my first one. Secondly, without necessarily ascribing what to eat, what not to eat, try to... Um, eat according to an anti-inflammatory diet, whatever that means for you. Everyone is different. Not every diet or nutritional plan will work for every single person. So Mm -hmm. I think it's important to figure out what for you is an anti-inflammatory nutritional plan and so for you for example um lactose is that inflammatory for me i'm i am not lactose intolerant i am lactose allergic Uh and i was told by a health practitioner that if i were to have dairy it would quote punch holes through my intestines end quote so um, yeah so for me i i live according to the um, blood type diet so as Uh a typo dairy is not for me okay uh what what else all of you uh say unbelievable uh, very interesting how how you discovered it. It's another mm. conversation I would love to have yes, with you absolutely. after the I'd show. Love that. Sure. Um, I agree with Dr. Shirley. I think overall healthy approach to whatever works for you. Um, I'd, I I'm Eastern European. We all have our habits. I think the way we raised our children. If you grew up with the pickles and fried potatoes and a baguette, <laughs> you crave that. Yes. But if you know if you have a you know, limitations or how you sell self-control maybe or... <laughs> a little discipline. Discipline <laughs> or maybe just not... I I never had a diet in my life, mm-hmm. um, but I don't crave what my husband, who is raised here, craves. 
So I think it's very important for us, for the, if we want to give our generation, our kids a good start, to just create because you crave what you raised with, what your mama yes. cooked. Mm -hmm. If mama does chicken nuggets and French fries all day, <laughs> that's what you're, you're gonna eat when you're gonna be <laughs> adult. So, and then when you're adult, you have to correct it. You, in, you with your intellect, with your with your education. If you know that green spinach and kale and vegetables have to be essential part of your diet, you have to eat it. And uh, when people tell me, I don't feel like it, I'm in the mood for that. What do you mean you're in the mood for that? You're in the mood for chicken fried rice every day. <laughs> eat spinach, just yeah. be disciplined and then you're gonna be healthy and you look good. Uh, it's like, uh, that, that's the problem that we have. And with people, people like immediate gratification in skincare, they wanna look good, but they, nobody wants to work. Right. Five minutes They want the immediate morning. gratification yeah. in their taste buds too. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Doesn't work. Anything to add? Yeah, you know, I I a hundred percent agree. I can tell who eats well from their skin and who doesn't. I really I really think you can see it. So, um, I do drink coffee. I do drink wine, but I also drink a lot of water, green juice. Um, I try. I'm trying to eat more and more greens and vegetables. Um, for all of those reasons. Okay. Um, I have time for one quick question before we break. Um, along the same lines of the one I just asked, uh, vitamins. So I personally do not take one supplement, but what would you say is a must for uh, for skincare, if anything? You know, and, and, and please persuade Pauline she should take at least one <laughs> vitamin. Dr. Shirley, this is your bellyweight. Wow. Okay. So I do. Um, sometimes prescribe uh, vitamins and supplements to my patients. Not not all the time. But if I may count um, a probiotic as a supplement, if you're only going to take one, I would recommend a high medical grade, you know, hmm. probiotic. Okay. If that's the only one. Good, good. Do you, do you gals, uh, Karina? No, I don't believe in supplements too. I, I believe in, uh, with all these jokes about the chicken fried rice, I believe <laughs> you have to get your uh, vitamins from nutrition. Yes. Agreed. Like as we age, I'm on vitamin D right now because um, of the bone density. Mm -hmm. And uh, I did an experiment. Last year I was diligent with my vitamin D supplement. I went once, once a year, they measure my bones. I come, they said, wow, you're doing great. You don't need to see the specialist anymore. You're not gonna have osteoporosis, God bless. And this year I said, you know what? What happens if I just eat well? So I went to do the same blood test a year later, no supplements, same results. Mm. Wow, whatever you're doing, keep doing. Yeah. So for my experiment, it really, mm -hmm. you have to eat well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Alana? I don't take any vitamins. I'm probably too lazy, but I really do focus. Um, I've been focusing a lot on, on food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Well, we do have to take one quick break, but we'll be back for our final segment. We're talking beauty and skincare with three experts in the field. You are listening to Tastemakers on Sirius XM Stars. Now, more with Pauline Brown on Tastemakers on Sirius XM Stars. Welcome back to Tastemakers. This is Pauline Brown. We are in um, the final segment of our conversation on beauty and skincare. Before we wrap up, I want to ask each of my experts who joined me today 
to give some final thoughts uh, that and personal advice, maybe based on their experience, their routines, and not just advice on what everyone should do or should know, but maybe what everyone should not do going forward. So I'll start with Alana Zeifer, who is, uh, as mentioned earlier, longtime uh, skincare and beauty marketer in the industry, currently CEO of Revive, which is a beautiful uh, prestige brand. Alana, what would you say? I think I'm lucky enough that although I am American, as and my mother was born here too, she started me getting facials very early, and it's something that I've done with my daughters also. And I would say whether you have procedures, use good skin care, I say you must, must, must get a good facial. How often? Once a month. Ideally. Mm, at all ages, from teenage on. I think so. Yeah. Uh, Karina Friedman, who has uh, skincare salons here in New York, uh, both New York City and Long Island, and she's a, a very experienced uh, esthetician as well. What would be your advice to I the ha- listeners? I happen to agree with Alana. Find a good professional skin therapist in your area, somebody who has a deep knowledge of ingredients, who can diagnose your skin so you don't go to Sephora and buy stuff or see on social media, it's like self-medicating yourself. Imagine Mm. you can't diagnose your skin. You see something on the glossier, it looks amazing, it talks to you, you buy it, you cannot diagnose your skin. Go to professional, assess your skin. Skin is changing every season. Mm. Your skin in the summer might be not the same skin. So if you cannot come every month, which is ideal, comes once a season, go diagnose your skin, get a set of uh, basic products that will help you to go through the season and carry on Mm -hmm. and you don't have to catch up later in life and just quick following question how do you know a good professional a good uh, practitioner versus not a good one there's a lot of results you go uh, first of all yelp helps Mm -hmm. if you go to my yelp page karina nyc on long island in greenville or new york you have five star reviews from 100 people you read the reviews Mm -hmm. read carefully Mm -hmm. read really carefully Mm and google reviews or yelp reviews and then you go and try to try to ask even receptionist who do you think will be better match for me i'm 28 or i'm 52 we have like for instance few estheticians who have a different strength find this person you can see the results mm-hmm. you, everybody you come home you don't break out you are glowing you get a compliment from your hobby your boyfriend you know you succeeded. Yeah, good, good advice. And ask someone who you trust. And Dr. Shirley Madair, uh, who has a, a plastic surgery office in Soho, New York. Yes. Uh, what would you? Uh, what advice would you leave our listeners with? So I do believe that beauty begins within. So my my do's would be eat cleanly as best as you can and drink a lot of water. And my don'ts would be whether the needle or the knife or skincare. Don't overdo it. Don't overdo it. I oh, can't agree more on that one. <laughs> um, and Dr. Shirley, yes. where can people find you? So you can find me on my either by my websites, drshirleymadera.com or elementsandgraces.com. Okay. And Karina, Karina NYC? KarinaNYC.com or you can follow us on Instagram at KarinaNYC Skincare. And we provide advice. If you write to us, if you call us, we can get the consultation done um, Virtually. Great, great. And Alana, uh, people can buy Revive online? Yes, uh, ReviveSkincare.com or Neiman Marcus Bergdorf Goodman Sachs. 
Got it. Well, thank you. Thank you all three of you you, for so so generously sharing your advice. And given that we do know that skin changes every season, I'm going to have you back here next season. With honor. Thank you, Alyssa Heimrich, as always, my producer, fabulous producer. Uh, You have been listening to Tastemakers on Sirius XM Stars. Look forward to reconnecting next week.